Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Father, we want to give thanks for the building of this church, the building of Woodlands, the acquisition of the ACK Centre, because we know these three buildings are provided by you. The year was 2000, we came into this BPJ Centre after 22 years of wandering. And yet, Lord, again and again, Lord, you prove yourself to be so faithful. And we pray, God, that you help us to be faithful too in sharing Christ to those who have not heard, in giving to you all that is due back to you in worship, that we may build the building of the church and the building of your people. As we open the word, we pray, God, for your grace and for you to help us understand what it means to walk and to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Today I will touch on Daniel 3. Daniel 3 unfolds for us a very dramatic, epic narrative. A narrative is a story. It tells of the time when Nebuchadnezzar decided to set up a golden image so that everybody will bow down to worship the image. Now, it is like a spiritual reset for the Babylonians. It is like telling all his citizens that says, hey, look, this is a one-party rule. I mean, no, a one-personality rule. I rule the whole country. And so it is not just a spiritual reset. It is actually a political reset as well. So King Nebuchadnezzar sets the record straight for people who are new, foreigners, old citizens and say, hey, look, I'm in charge. I'm the person. And as a result of that, as a result of that, people began to realize that, hey, the king is meaning serious business. And after the golden image was set up, everybody had to obey and bow. And he is seen as the sovereign one. He's seen as the king over all his nation and to be worshipped and to be praised. You see, as we unfold Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 18, there are four parts of the story. The first part is about the setup. The setup, how big, how tall, how wide is the golden image, and how in tremendous effort they have to set up a seat fund, eh? a committee, to make sure they get enough money to build the golden image. And then the challenge, the challenge is that, well, if you pass by this golden image, you must bow down. But there are certain Jews who refused. And so what happened to them? The refusal is that they stood their ground and they would not worship any idols. And of course, they faced the grave consequence of being summoned by the king and once again saying no that they will not bow and be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, this is what we call a very good help 
to understand us what it means to be tested by fire. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory and honour at the revelation of Christ Jesus. So here the setup is this, that they are set up to worship. But the refusal means that they will be tested by fire, thrown into the fiery furnace. So the verse brings up for me what it means to be tested. A, a lot of verses in the scripture says they are tested as gold, not as silver, but as gold. You see, this epic narrative in Daniel 3 reminds us of three non-negotiables in our true worship. Not fake one, but true worship. Number one, the conviction to stand firm. We need to understand why they're standing firm and how we can stand firm. The confidence to trust God and the consecration to stay true. Now, in the first non-negotiable, the conviction to stand firm. After the the, the unfolding of the um, image, the golden image, a few people, a few of these uh, fortune teller or the, the soothsayer or a few of these Babylonians fortune teller went to the king and said, Oh king, do you know? Do you know that some people refuse to worship your idols and refuse to worship this golden image? These men, they do not serve your gods. They also won't worship your, your golden image. And so the king was furious. And in his ferocity, he began to summon them and call them to account for their blatant disregard for his commands. See, these Jews were standing firm on what they believed about their convictions. No other gods, no other gods, no other images. You know, nowadays we have this whole culture of selfie, right? Taking selfie. If you're one person, taking yourself is selfie. Two person is doofy. Three person, trifi. And the group is groofies. Yeah, groofies. But you see, there are many accidents concerning selfies. Well, in 19 September 2018, a Californian woman fell to her death while taking selfie on the edge, mind you, on the edge of a 200-foot um, cliff. And then on 22nd December 22, a 45-year-old New Zealander tourist was taking his selfie on the open carriage along uh, the, the border of the Thai-Burmese rail, and he fell. He fell 200 feet down the cliff. Now, it means this, that those of us who are taking selfie must believe that we must remain steady, right? It's not just a camera that it needs to be steady. You yourself must be steady also. Camera steady, no use, right? You fall down, the camera fall down. So, to remain steady and to remain balanced, firmly grounded. Sometimes in life, it's like that. Whenever we embark on certain things, we make sure we get the gadgets right, the camera right, the computer right, laptop right, everything right. But we ourselves are not right. So we remain firmly grounded to stand firm. Not like the selfie people who fell because they were not standing firm, nor were they trying to balance well. 
So the challenge to stand firm is a few. We need to remain steady, firmly grounded, unbreakable under great pressure. Uh, this is a tall order. You see, the refusal to bow down to the golden image um, is, is a very grave consequence act because it is death by a fiery furnace. And it says here in the text that the king was so angry with such blatant disregard, with such rebellion, that he, he commanded that the furnace, the heat be raised up seven times to burn this rascal fast and quick, to get rid of them and to show them as a showcase to all those who will disregard his command so that they will learn from this great barbecue, instant barbecue. You see, for them, they are distinct people, the Jews, the three boys, the three young men or young or boys, young men. It's tradition believed that they were young men, all right? The distinct people who stood their ground never compromised because they won't serve other gods and they won't worship the golden image. There are a few quotes that I want to read to us by Cornell West. He said, too many young people today have addiction to superficial things and not enough conviction for substantial things like justice, truth, and love. And so we give ourselves to all the peripherals rather than be solidly grounded in the conviction of greater things. Alexander Hamilton says this, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. C.S. Lewis, in his classic Mere Christianity, says this, Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favourite wishes every day and death to your whole body in the end. Submit with every fibre of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have given away will really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will be raised from the dead. And so in the light of this, we know this that too many young people gave themselves up for worthless things. They are convicted about very small things. I remember years ago in this place, we have uh, one lady who came up and said that we need to be kind to cats. Meow, meow, you know. And after the Sunday service, I was shaking hands and I said, this church, what is your stand on taking care of animals? I said, oh, okay, we have a good stand. People have pets in the home, right? You have pets in the home? Ah, so we are kind to animals, we won't slaughter them or we won't put a selfie doofy and, and show our cruelty to animals, right? So she said, no, we must be kind to animals. We must be kind to cats, especially cats, because they are feline and they are helpless and they are sweet and they are created by God and so on. So she went on this great escapade of sharing with me all her cats, the name of her 10 cats and what they eat, the daily routine and so on and so forth. I said, wow, you know, can I see your cats? She says, no, 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 they are not for other people, for my eyes only. I said, do they even go out of the house? No, they don't need to. They have me in the house and I'm the master in the house. That's enough. So she, she revolved her life around cats. And lo and behold, I was so interested in cats that I did the research on cats and found out that there are so many people who would turn their whole house into a cat's house. 100 over cats, 20 cats, 50 cats. Now I'm not saying that 
I'm, and I'm not belittling people like that. I'm saying that we need to think through in our lives what is really of eternal consequences. The cats will be here, will be left here behind on earth. But our soul and the souls of men will go into our eternal life with us. You see, the right belief will help us believe right about God, about kingdom values, about people, about love, about life. And it will help us to translate into the right behavior. And then we will become right. The being, the becoming is right. Have you ever heard of people who say, hey, yeah, my, my office uh, got this Christian. Uh, wow, I tell you, uh, she still thinks uh, she's still stationary from our office. You know, she think we I didn't see, but today I saw, you know. She put something in her handbag. I know, I know. And then the next time I go and count the pen, uh, uh, she took a few. So. And sometimes we begin to judge people by the outward behavior, which is, which is what the world is, judging others by the behavior or outlook or outward. But you see, when we are, we are constituted right, with the right sense of conviction and belief system, it must translate into behavior. We must act right. And then it will become right. A righteous person, a moral person, an upright person. It doesn't come automatically. And so in the light of this, we need to understand that we need God. There was this movie done about Sister Kelly. Sister Kelly is an Aussie, New South Wales Aussie, uncredited nurse. And she has this passion about a new way of uh, helping polio victims, especially when they are infants and children. Then when, they, when you start to treat them right, it will help them to augur well for them to fight the disease and, and so on. But the normal doctors, they do not agree because they say it goes against conventional uh, method and so uh, do not allow her to practice. And so she practiced it outside. But you see, she persevered and she stood for her ground firm because she says she has seen so many infants when they're being treated by her method, it actually sets them well uh, in, in later part in life. And she was so insistent, she stood firm, she's so convicted of this that whether people agree or not, they give her grounds or they give her platform for it. Doesn't matter, she continue and do what she's convicted to do. And the year was 1800s and she died in 1952. But you see, what she consistently persevered is what they, they call this are the foundation, becomes the foundational practice for physical therapy. What became a passion became a conviction, and she never let down until she believed that the, the authorities believed in her. The second non-negotiable is the confidence to trust God. Verse 17 says, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. Now it's interesting to note their confidence. Their confidence is not based upon you know, all the things they see, but their confidence is based upon what they have inside them. There is absolute certainty that God is powerful, God is will deliver. God is able. Let's trust God. God will do it. 
And so they have, they, they have this confidence because they have walked with God and they have journeyed. And without a shadow of a doubt, they do not flinch. It is a firm conviction and a firm confidence. In my younger days, I used to read uh, Chinese novels. I, I'm brought up by uh, my, my family, basically Mandarin-speaking Chinese. And one of the, the novels I will read together with my sister is, is really the, the San Guo Yan Yi, you know, the, the tale of the three kingdoms. Now, this is very popular historically. We are not sure whether it is a true account of the history of the three warring states. But it is, it is stated, and, and it was turned into dramas and movies, and I'm sure you can see it uh, uh, in the YouTube. But there is this one guy that stood out, and, and he's a very wise man. Do you know who he is? Not Sumu Konga. Who, who is he? Zhuge Liang. Right. Zhuge Liang is called the military strategist. He outsmart and outthink a lot of his opponents. Now, let me quote to you two very strong quotes from Zhuge Liang. He says, The wise win before they fight. Wow. You win before you fight. While the ignorant fight to win. It's very good for husband and wife, huh? The wife, what, before she fights, she wins already, you know? Oh, yeah, cannot, you know? Cannot fight your wife or cannot fight your husband, right? The wise win before they fight, while the ignorant fight to win. The second is, there is no greater weapon than a prepared mind. There's no greater weapon than a prepared mind. I mean, like that, you win already, right? You win before you fight. And so in the light of this, we begin to see that the confidence of this man is because he, he has a mind that is able to think far and beyond and think circles around his opponents. Now, such confidence is only earthly. It's person's intelligence. But can you imagine our confidence? Our confidence is not just our own mental acumen but it is also the confidence that we can gain from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And how much more confident can we be? Because we know that this is the God who gives to us all the intelligence and all the abilities to win. Verse 16 and 17 says this in the Message Bible. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from all your rolling furnace, from your, no, not all, your rolling furnace, and anything else you might cook up, O king. So it says here that they don't mind being thrown in the fire because they know God will rescue them. Such great audacity, such great faith. Two things, either they are really confident or they are really stupid. You know, how, how, how would you say something like that to the great king? Unlike these young people, sometimes we don't really fully trust God. We don't trust because we don't know God. We don't trust God because we don't seek God. And because we have not experienced the track record of who God is. And therefore, in the light of this, 
We doubt God in so many things, in our problems, our conundrums, our, our hurdles in life. And God puts us into a path of a crisis. And we don't know who to turn to. And we don't know what is hitting us. It is a time where we should start to look up and say, God, why are you putting me through this? What is your directive for me? How should I react? When should I decide? And so on and so forth. And many a times when we face our own crisis or difficulties in our lives, the first person we usually consult uh, is a financial consultant, wow, a, a HR consultant, a director of this, a director of that, you know. And we begin to ask expert opinions rather than we seek God first. Go to our knees and ask God, why am I going through this? God, what are you trying to teach me? What, what are the lessons that I must learn through this ordeal? And then begin to ask God what and where and how. Charles Spurgeon says this, when we doubt, doubt discovers more and more difficulties, which it will never solve. All right? It creates hesitancy, despondency, despair. And so the more we doubt, the more we become confused, and the more we are discouraged, and the more we are not at peace. But he says, only believe. Only believe in a God who calls you, a God who can never fail and will not fail. And a God who calls you, he will never lead you to a place where his grace cannot keep you. In other words, God has given to us everything pertaining to life and pertaining to godliness. That he has given us the internal resources and the spiritual resources to counter all the difficulties we will face on this planet earth. Only believe and only go to God in your first, first instant, not just at your last resort. Having full trust means this. It means firm action. Okay. When I read this part, you give me your solution. All right. When God speaks, I must louder. La, I must listen. Okay. When God forbids and God says no, I must obey. Or change, right? When God remains quiet, I must wait. Wait. That's what we tell all the, all the kiddos, right? All the toddlers. Huh? Mommy, I want this now. Mommy, I go there. Wait, 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 you know. But God is also saying to us like that, wait. Wait out for the time. Okay, next time. When God corrects, I must change. I must change. I must obey. I must listen. Okay, last one. When God blesses, I must? I must? Louder la. Give thanks and then we must? Share. Good, good, very good. Must share. This side give thanks, this side share. Okay, your exchange. You see, what we believe in, what we trust, must come forth in firm action. It is not just talk because words are cheap. Isn't it? Words are cheap. We can promise the heavens, but when we come to the where rubber meets the road, we could not perform. The third non-negotiable is consecration to stay true. Verse 18, But if not be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, or we will worship the golden image that you have set. Now, staying true, is a choice. 
It's a choice because you choose to stay true, choose to stay right with God. And sometimes staying true is we choose the fear of God, we choose the worship of God, we choose the paths of God, we choose the ways of God, even though everything around us point to the fact that we must help ourselves to come out of these difficult problems. Staying true is a choice. It was the year 2004 or five, maybe it's three. Okay? As we age, uh, we remember less of the details. But it was the year we were in the sabbatical in London. And we get into this habit of the ramble walk. We walk the, the, the landscape, the, the valleys, the rivers, and the meadows in the cool air. And you see animals, and you see dogs, and little sheep here, and some chickens there. And it was a great time for us. The outdoor was a great time. So we get involved in the ramble walk. So the ramble walk, they have different areas, Hammersmith, Surrey, and all that you can get from the London website. Now for the serious walker, they have a choice of using the trekking poles or the walking poles. Trekking poles are the most beneficial for walking on hilly terrain, help reduce the load of the lower body and use it for the uphill grades. So they have this Nordic walking pose, all right? Got brands are more Nordic. No? They have a glove strap, all right? You look at this guy, he has a glove strap that's strapped to the walking stick. Or the trekking pole with just a loose kind of loop around. And whatever you choose depends on a number of factors. Number one, it depends on the terrain. Number two, your physique, whether you need a walking pole or not. Some of you are... No need any pole and you just run up the terrain, you know. Some of you take 10 poles or so you cannot go up. You know? <laughs> Alright, so it depends. Depends on a number of factors. But the choice is still yours. Which will you choose? And it's interesting because during one of the Rambo walk, I remember, I have my 6-year-old daughter, the small one. Huh? And then the oldest one is a 76-year-old lady. Wow, she's really the fittest, you know. And in our party of 20-something, we brought our lunches and all that. You know who reached the, always who reached the destination first? It's the young and the old, you know. Because my small one keep running after the older one. And she's the fittest among us. Because she says she walked at least every day, a couple of miles uphill and down, you know. It, it becomes a daily routine. But you see, the choice of the walking stick, just like our lives sometimes, we need to choose well based upon a number of factors, why you choose. Even if God does not deliver. So they choose, the Jews, the three men chose not to bow, chose not to worship other idols. And it's reported in verse 18 from the Message Bible. But even if God doesn't deliver, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, okay? We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you said. Consecration to stay true is a choice. It's a choice to choose God and choose God for the rest of your life. If you are given a choice, if you put everything, deposit every ounce of your energy, every ounce of your resources, choose God. You'll never be wrong. You see here it says, even if God doesn't deliver. These three men make a strong choice. No, never over our dead body. And they know 
that consecration is never to turn back, never to regret. There are a lot of things in life that sometimes we do regret. The older you get, the more regrets you have, right? Ayah, I wish, ayah, I should have bought the, the, the condo when it's cheaper, right? You know? Ayah, last time. You know? Yeah, my wife lah, you know, my husband lah, say don't buy, you know? But now you see, the prices all go up, no? Wow, stupid, no? I'm, I'm not saying about myself. Uh. <laughs> but you see, the fact is that the longer we live, the more regrets we have. And we have to just come to terms with what is past, it is the past. And today, we will start a new journey with God. So that all the eventualities, well, all the what-ifs, all the maybes that have passed us by, today we want to start a firm yes with God. They make a strong choice. Consecration is staying faithful and staying true no matter what. And it is sometimes hard because no matter what means we put ourselves on the line all the time. And therefore, in good times, in bad times, in, in happy and sad times, in rich or poor times, in crisis or in peaceful times, in sickness or in happiness, we choose God. J.I. Packer have this to say about bodily pain and illness. God uses chronic pain and weakness along with other afflictions as his chisel for sculpting our lives. Felt weakness deepens dependence on Christ for strength each day. The weaker we feel, the harder we lean. And the harder we lean, the stronger we go spiritually even while our bodies waste away. It is a choice to choose. And our take home is this, that we need to choose God, the sanctifying work of the cross, is that sometimes we bear this pain. The conclusion for our sermon today is this. True worship is a distinct call. And there are two things that we need to do. Number one is to we need to lead ourselves to live out this distinct calling. We are distinct people with a distinct call to have a distinct allegiance. Number two is to shape others to follow God, which is our younger generation and the people we are discipling and mentoring. You see, when we study and when we read through these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they have Babylonian names, but those are not their original names. Their original names are Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. And so when they were brought in from the promised land into the Babylonian land, they were chose because they were men of nobility from the royalties. These are young men who have been schooled, intelligent, smart. They are the go-getters. They are the smart people. They are the handsome, good-looking, tall. And so they possess all the qualities that render them able to stand before the king. But when they came, during the, the uh, exile, these young men were selected and marched into the king's palace and to eat and dine at the king's table. But they decided, to, together with Daniel, that they would not defile themselves with the king's meat and the king's wine. So they went 
together with Daniel, they went to tell this, this guy in charge, hey, look, you know, we don't want your meat. Huh? Your barbecue chas you and pork belly you can keep for yourself. We, we won't eat those. We also don't drink the wine. You test us and see, lah, you know. So they went on a vegan diet. Yeah, they only eat vegetables. Ayos, for some is yucks. But they went on a vegan diet and they showed themselves forth and said, look how strong we are. We are still able. We are smart. We are still smart. And so they were allowed to eat their vegan diet. You see, when they chose not to defile themselves, what did they do? They chose it because it is in preparation for a greater and greater challenge, which is they have to face the fiery furnace. None of us are strong instantly. Yeah? None of us can come to a crisis and we make the right decision or we have the right call. It is always built up through time, built up through the little things that we don't compromise, built up to the, the little decisions we make that augurs us well, that put us and poise us in a position where we will make a rightful decision to obey God. And therefore, they chose not to defile themselves, but in lesser trials that they may prepare for the bigger trials ahead. You see, it is Joshua 24, 15 that says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And it is interesting because when Joshua tells the people, Choose you which day whom you will serve. And then they are reminded that they are not to serve this God or that God of the land. Choose you this day. You serve God or you choose pagans. No, they will they were showcase all the pagan gods. Go and choose whichever gods you want to worship. For you, you are distinct people. You ought to worship God and get rid of all the idols of our lives. There are many idols in our lives, isn't it? Let me name a few. The first idol, of course, is self. Ourself. It's narcissism. We love ourselves too much. Everything is pleasure for us. The second is money and possession, right? Whether it's a house or whatever shares and stocks, whether you buy uh, bitcoms or whatever company. Money, money possession is a real idol. The richer you get, you got your one million, you want to roll it to become three million, you roll somewhere and become no million when you roll it with the wrong people. So money is never enough because we are basically greedy. Then the religion, religion can be an idol too. Because have you had ever a pastor that come and say, welcome to the covenant club that you are in today. Club members, please pay your tithes. Club members, do this. You've got your privilege and so on. You want to get married, you can marry in this church. That's your club membership benefits. But religion can be an idol because as long as we think that we belong to a social club, of the middle income group, then we are wrong because it is not about religion, it's about our walk with God. Then, of course, we have this idol of education. People who want to take an MBA or further studies so that we are equally qualified with the rest. Or beauty. The beauty is a billion-dollar industry because they are not selling beauty products, they are selling hope so that you'll be more beautiful. Then, of course, the idol of comfort. Leisure and pleasure. I don't want to do anything. Don't ask me to serve children. Eee, children, no good. Wow, they scream and shout at you. I have enough, you know. And so sometimes our comfort 
takes precedence over our ministry, whatever it is, all right? Of course, the greatest, if not the most greatest, is addiction. It's an idol in our life. Whether it's addicted to pornography, sex escapades, or lust of all kinds, or drugs, addicted to shopping, online shopping, addicted to uh, substance abuse, or anything, addiction. And last but not least, the idol is friends or family. The, the craving for soulmates, for a companion, to have a husband or a wife. And then if you're married, to have children, and you have children and, and grandchildren, and so on and so forth. Because we are people who would never have enough. So these are the idols that will bring about a very deep distrust for God because we want it, and it's like we want it yesterday. Tim Kelly says this. He says, what are the counterfeit gods in our life? Anything more important than God absorbs your heart and imagination. Anything that becomes more fundamental to God, to your happiness, it is your idol. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And to this end and for this greater purpose, God calls us, worship me in spirit and in truth. So that the process of sanctifying in God, we will be complete as we are being sanctified with Him day by day. So stay true. Trust God. Stand firm. And don't let the pressure of today get the better of you because we are on a journey. A journey of being made more and more like Christ. So as the worship team comes out, I want to remind each one of us that one day we will be complete. The more we struggle today is because we are unwilling to let go. It is not about striving. It is about surrendering. And I would like us to offer up ourselves today and say, God, whatever idols I lay before you. Can we stand and ask the worship team to Lead us in this worship. I want us to open our hearts and ask God to redo, remake, redeem our past. Here I am, O oh God. Here I am, O oh God. I bring this sacrifice, my open heart. I offer up my life, I look to you, Lord, your love that never ends, restores me again, so I lift my eyes to you.
this is our prayer. This is our desire to walk with you. People of God, can I just ask that you open up your hands. Open up the palms. Release to God whatever idols the Lord is saying to you today. Whether it's relationships or money, possession. Whatever it is, give to God this idol. And say, Lord, have your way in me. Father God, you see our hands, Lord. We empty out our lives. We pray you empty out all the worthless things from us. Come and cleanse us deeply. Come and take over. Help us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Forgive us for pursuing after worthless things. Chasing after emptiness. And we have become empty. So today, Father, we pray that you give us a chance, one more chance, Lord, to come close to you, to worship you truly with all of our hearts, all of our beings, all of our soul. Lord, we will walk with you so that our walk will not be fake, will not be pretentious, that our walk will be real authentic and true help us to stand firm because we can't help us to stay stay true to you because we cannot and help us dear God to trust you because you are God worthy of our trust and worthy of our worship we ask of you this day that we choose we choose to choose you God so help us in Jesus' name. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.